Today's scripture reading is from Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18, which is found on page 830 of your Pew Bibles. Philippians 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach the gospel out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here in the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. My name's Jeff Arthurs. This is the second week that I'm with you as we get into Philippians. I'll be back uh, throughout the fall a number of times, although not next week, but uh, other times after that, uh, Pastor David will be preaching uh, from Philippians also. Hey, a, a number of years ago, I had a nagging injury. Uh, it, uh, it was my Achilles tendon. I'm, I'm t- when I say nagging, I mean it lasted for years. It was inflamed, it was sore. I kept exercising because that's what I do, and I kept it in a nice state of uh, uh, inflammation. If you just squeezed it just a little bit like that, oh man, it really hurt. I tried everything. I tried, uh, I wore a walking boot, you know, like a walking cast for like three months just to immobilizing. That didn't work. I tried acupuncture. Uh, that, that didn't do anything. I tried uh, herbal remedies. I tried inflammatories. Those were nice, but it didn't fix it. And then I discovered microcurrent. Microcurrent. I don't know how it works. I guess the theory is that every tissue in your body gives off a certain microcurrent, and uh, and when you have scar tissue and it's messed up, it doesn't. You know, your your the blood can't flow and all that. And you 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 put just a little bit of current on that injured place, and it it uh, uh, speeds healing, and it really worked. And I was so happy after like ten years of being injured, it was working, and this was great. I was going around telling everyone. The gospel of microcurrent. I was like, microcurrent, it's great. You gotta try it. You got an injury? Try microcurrent. Yeah. Headaches? Microcurrent, baby. Your marriage is falling apart? Microcurrent. I'll tell you. And, uh, because, you know, when you get some good news, you rejoice, right? And you naturally want to tell other people. And that is the dynamic in this text today. You got some good news. <laughs> it makes you happy. It's good news. You rejoice and you naturally want to tell other people. And you rejoice when that message, that good news spreads and other people get in on the program. 
This is the second week we're talking about joy in chains. Yes, Paul was literally, literally chained. He was in his own house, probably a rented house, so it was sort of like house arrest. Nevertheless, he was chained. Probably, probably not like this, that picture kind of, kind of looks like, sort of like handcuffs. Probably around the, the ankle. Like an animal. He still had to get around the house and everything. He was chained to Roman guards or a Roman guard. And yet, he rejoiced. And the question is, how did he do that? Why did he do that? Where did that, that happiness and that joy come from? It came from good news. It's called the gospel. We'll get into it here. Let me give you a little bit of background uh, first of all. So you remember from last week, over here is uh, Jerusalem over on the, what is that, the east side of the Mediterranean. And uh, Philippi is just uh, inside Europe. Philippi is a European city over here. Just, uh, just as I say, it's a, it's a, the gospel had advanced to Europe. And then the Apostle Paul was in Rome. He was writing to the Philippians from Rome. You see the boot of Italy there. He's writing from Rome. About 750 miles away, you would go over land, and then you would uh, take a, a ship, and you would go over land again. Hi, good morning. Could you come fix it for me? Pay no attention to this man behind the curtain. (laughs) Okie dokie. Okie dokie. So the Apostle Paul is over in Rome and he's writing to this uh, church in Philippi. So uh, you remember that uh, there are ruins there even to this day. I've never been there, but, you know, a big tourist site you can go. It was a big city. It was a major city. And uh, to this day, you can see the ruins of Philippi. It was a Roman colony. That means it was like a little slice of Rome, you know, away from Rome, away from Italy. Uh, the other cities around didn't have the rights and the privileges. If, if you if you lived in Philippi, you were a Roman citizen, and you got all these privileges uh, by virtue of being a Roman citizen, even though you were from another country. It's sort of like uh, Hong Kong. For many years, what, a hundred years or something, Hong Kong was, what do you call it, a colony or a protectorate or something of Great Britain. Then it was, then it reverted to the, to the Chinese. But it's like a little slice of Britain, you know, in a faraway place. So Philippi, uh, was a colony. They, uh, they had a major road that passed through Philippi, so it was right on this major thoroughfare, all the way from Asia in the east over to Europe in the west. You, you know, those Romans could build roads. It is still there, uh, pieces of it are still there today, 750 miles long of uh, that, that uh, Roman road. So this church in Philippi was founded around the year 52. Uh, Paul's writing around 62, about 10 years later. The church has grown up. They have elders and deacons now. And they were facing, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, it's a colony of Rome. And there were probably soldiers there. It was a uh, sort of like a, a retirement community for Roman soldiers. It's a colony. 
He, uh, in this letter, he greets the soldiers. And as we learned last week, they were under a severe test of affliction. This church in Philippi, 10 years old. Extreme poverty, that's what the scripture says. They were persecuted. Uh, Pastor David will show that to you next week. They were being persecuted and the apostle said, rejoice. And the question we have is how? Joy in chains, how is this possible? The apostle Paul, uh, at this stage in life, was advanced in age. He's getting old. He's been preaching the gospel for quite some time. An ancient source describes him this way. He is a man small in size, bald-headed, bandy-legged. I don't know if that means like bow-legged or something or muscular legs. Healthy, with eyebrows meeting. You know how some people have just like basic one eyebrow all across? (laughs) Rather long-nosed, full of grace. The Apostle Paul. Here is the oldest known the picture of the Apostle Paul. It's from like the year 300 or so. It, it may be accurate. It's a mosaic found in the catacombs of Rome, close to the place where Paul was martyred. They cut his head off. And this is found there close to that place. Here's another uh, picture of Paul. Can you see his eyebrows meeting, his furrowed brow? Rembrandt got in on the, the, uh, the scene and, and drew painted Paul this way. And then because Rembrandt was very uh, uh, modest, he painted himself a self-portrait as the Apostle Paul uh, later in life. I don't think he looked like that. He's very European looking, but that's the Apostle Paul. He was under house arrest, awaiting trial before Nero, chained chained to Roman guards. He was being maligned by his fellow Christian preachers. How do you like that? The guys on your own team are saying, eh, he's stupid, get out of here. He's he's, he's on an ego trip. He's What does he know? He doesn't live here in Rome. But he had joy. Why? Because he had some good news. (laughs) It's called the gospel. And it was advancing Paul was gone around. Microcurrent, baby! Yeah, Jesus died and rose again. I can't wait to tell you about this. I know I'm chained. That's a bummer. But the gospel is not chained. All right, here we go. Joy in chains because the gospel is advancing. The word is used 13 times in Philippians. It just keeps showing up. It punctuates the book. The word gospel is used seven times in Philippians, including our passage today. The gospel is advancing. It it advances despite chains. You got your Bible open? Take a look at verses 12, 13, and 14. The gospel advances. The good news advances despite Paul's chains. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, you know, going to jail and all this trouble that he's in, waiting trial before Nero, I want you to know that all this stuff that has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See the word advance there in verse 12? It's a military term. 
It's a, it's a, it's a warfare term. It means literally to cut before, and the idea is that the, the engineers would go before the army. So you've got the army marching back here, and the engineers would cut a path through the forest, or, you know, they'd make a road. They would cut a path through the forest. Like, um, uh, when the American, uh, patriots captured Fort Ticonderoga, are you with me? American history, upper state New York. Is it is that New York? Fight Fort Ticonderoga. And they took it in the middle of the winter. And the fort the fort had these great big cannons, very valuable. The Americans had very few uh, cannons. And they had to get those cannons from way far away down to Boston. They wanted to position them on the hills of Dorchester overlooking and besiege Boston and kick the, the British out. How do you get the cannons there? They put them on sleds. They hauled them. I, don't, I guess they used oxen up and down. And it was terrible. It was hard going up these mountains. And the engineers had to go before them, cutting down trees, preparing a path. Here's a, here's a ravine, got to get a little bridge over it. And the Apostle Paul says the gospel, whoosh, cutting through, despite the opposition, this spiritual battle with the devil uh, opposed uh, to the gospel, it's advancing. Even with my chains... It's re- in fact, in fact, my chains have actually helped it advance. What do you think of that? Woohoo! Microcurrent, baby! The gospel's working. It's doing its thing. It's good news. Forgiveness of sins. Don't worry about these chains. I'm not worried about them. The gospel, the good news, it's advancing. How is it advancing? Verse 13. What has become, uh, it has become, the gospel has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So here's Paul. He's chained to these, these by the ankle, right? He's chained to these Roman guards. And those Roman guards, part of the imperial guard, kind of uh, special soldiers, they were paid two or three times as much as the regular soldiers. They were called the Praetorian Guard. It's, it's spreading throughout. The, there was 10,000 Praetorian soldiers. It's spreading throughout. So use your imagination. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's chained. But he, it's in his own hired house, so people still come to visit him. And, you know, he, in the morning he meets with the elders from the church up in northern Rome. And then he holds a Bible study for some Jews who are interested in, what is this, Jesus the Messiah. And these Roman soldiers are hearing all this stuff. And they're watching Paul. Use your imagination. One of the guards says to him, Where are you from anyway? And the Apostle Paul says, well, I'm from all over, really. I, I was born in Tarsus. I, I uh, had my education in Jerusalem. I've been all over. I've been in Ephesus. I just came from Israel. What are you here for? How come you're chained? Well, that's a long story, but basically it's because I go around telling people that Jesus is the Messiah. Who's he? The Apostle Paul says, 
I'm glad you asked. And he tells about God's Son come to the earth. He says to them, He's the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of Jews like me and Gentiles like you. He's the Savior of Asians and Europeans. He's the Savior of dark-skinned people like me and kind of medium-skinned people like you. God sent Him to save sinners. I'm the chief. I'm the worst sinner. He sent Him to save us and believe in Him and become His apprentices. And the soldier says, Hey, hey, take it easy. Slow down. Wait, Wait a minute. Who is this guy, Jesus? And they talked, and the soldiers watched, and they saw his joy despite being chained like an animal. And so the soldier gets done with his shift, and he goes back to the the praetorian, the barracks, and one of the other soldiers says to him, Hey, what did you do today? He says, Oh, I'm on guard duty. I'm I'm watching that guy... uh, What's his name? Paul. Oh yeah, what's he in for? Well, let me tell you about this guy. And the word gets out. He's here because of Jesus. Who's Jesus? And the word gets out. And there started to be conversions among the praetorian guard right in Caesar's own household. And so the apostle Paul says, that's enough for me to rejoice. I'm not letting this chain get me down. You know, this chain is actually helping the gospel. I couldn't, there's no way I could have access to Caesar's household. How about you? Do chains get you down? You know what I mean? Is it possible that God has a purpose for this affliction, this trial, this persecution? Lift your vision. Lift your gaze. Joy despite chains. That's the Apostle Paul. He says, most of the brothers are, uh, they have more courage to speak because of me. I mean, they're watching me. And, they're, they're, and you know, I'm chained. They're not chained. I'm chained. And they're, and they're seeing me preach the gospel. And they're seeing, I don't, I'm not getting down. And they're seeing me, you know, live the Christian life and share the gospel. Woohoo! Microcurrent. <laughs> And they're thinking, well, I can do that. I mean, he's not worried about tomorrow, what the day may bring forth, trial before Nero. I shouldn't worry about tomorrow. He's not, he's not saying to the Roman guards, hey, can you, can you uh, put in a good word for me with Caesar? He's not trying to manipulate things. I can do that. I can preach the gospel. Because of his chains, the word is getting out. So that's the first lesson, that's the first principle. We rejoice in good news, and when that good news advances, it cuts through. That's enough for our joy, despite the chains. It was tough in that day. It was tough in that day. They were persecuted. Here's the earliest... uh, graffiti that has been found by archaeologists uh, related to Christianity. Uh, can you see it? it it's, it's real, you know, it's, it's really old. It was like the year three or four hundred. Let me see if my uh, laser works here. Can you see this here? 
Here's a guy who's looking up. This is just a normal guy. And this person is being crucified. They found this in the catacombs of Rome. Here's, let me clean, clean it up for you a little. Here's the inscription. Do you know what it says? As this person looks on this per- other person being crucified, you notice that the person being crucified, donkey's head being mocked. He's an ass. Here's what the inscription says. Alexamenos, whoever that was, worships his God. Some God crucified. It was tough in that day. And the brothers, seeing Paul being persecuted, but joyful and preaching the gospel, and you know, they took courage from him. And they began to speak without fear. Now, you and I are beginning to get in on the edge of persecution. It's not like this. It's not like there's not like government laws and and there's, they don't crucify Christians and, you know, feed them to the lions and all this stuff. But uh, our society's heading that way. It won't happen in my lifetime, may not happen, probably won't happen in your lifetime, but we're headed that way. And maybe you already know this kind of low-level persecution. Maybe, maybe they laugh. Maybe, maybe family members turn a cold shoulder. Maybe you're passed over at work because you won't play ball. Does it get you down? Does it discourage you? That would be natural, of course. But here we have the Apostle Paul chained like an animal in a very hostile environment who said, I rejoice. The gospel's not chained. The gospel's doing really well. I mean, because of my chains, I rejoice. He rejoices furthermore because the gospel advances despite rivalry, ill will, party factions. Verse 15. Some people, some of the brothers indeed, preach Christ from envy (laughs) and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The the latter, the the goodwill people, uh, they do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, the, the rivalry guys, proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that, I rejoice. I don't care why they're doing it. They they, they think they're causing me harm when they preach Christ. I love it when they preach Christ. I guess they they were envious of Paul. He's the big apostle. Everybody's going to his hired house. 
Oh, did you hear Paul's in town? Yeah, we're going to go here. He's a great teacher. And they're very envious. What about our following? We lived in Rome before he ever came around. And, and, uh, so, uh, let's, uh, well, while he's in prison, let's, uh, let, let's, let's regather our people and let's, let's build up our reputation again. So they started having evangelistic crusades. They sent up a tent out in the parking lot and they got out the bullhorn and they started preaching Christ, trying to afflict him. Nee, 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 nee. And Paul says, go for it. Do it. Out of rivalry, out of envy, yeah, well, at least Christ is proclaimed. (laughs) And in that, I rejoice. So, joy in chains. Most of the brothers take more confidence to preach fearlessly. Some of them do it out of rivalry. Well, whatever. I rejoice. May I bring this down now to make some applications for us, a couple of applications. First application. I've already hinted at this, already touched on this. Persecution. We are not persecuted the way Paul was, the way the Philippians were. Although there are places in the world that have precisely that kind of persecution. In a sense, you and I are sort of uh, the, uh, the exceptions to the rule. Do you know that in, in regard to persecution? I was, uh, I was in a small group meeting at my house uh, a number of years ago, and one of our couples, a married couple, uh, had a friend staying with them, a friend from India. And uh, he was taking some graduate classes, and he was staying with them for a month or so. And while he was staying with them, they brought him to our small group meeting. And he was welcomed, glad to have him. Well, during the evening, he got a phone call. And uh, he stepped out into the kitchen. We were in the living room. And, you know, even from a distance, we could tell that something's wrong. I could kind of sense that. And he was on the phone for 15 minutes or so, and he came back in, and his face was very uh, somber. And he said, one of the pastors I work with in India, he, he was an overseer of pastors, just got beat up by militant Hindus. You understand that the church of Jesus Christ is getting beat up in a number of places around the world. I don't think we're there yet. I don't know if we'll ever get there in this culture, but we're starting to touch on this kind of persecution that Paul knew, that they know in India. I have a student at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. That's where I teach. He is from uh, China. And uh, for two years... He was under house arrest, kind of like Paul. Couldn't leave his house. But if you meet him, you talk to him, as I will do tomorrow morning when he comes to class, he is one of the happiest, most joyful people that you'd ever like to meet. Is it possible to have joy like a subterranean river running underneath the daily grind, even the difficult grind of persecution. 
I had another student at Gordon Conwell Seminary who's from Sri Lanka. He told me as he was doing his studies, he was going back there to preach the gospel. That's why he had come to get a you know graduate degree to be a better pastor, a better minister. And I said, what's it going to be like when you go back? He said, well, last week they just burned down our church. I said, what do you mean they burned it down? He said, they took fire and lit it and it burned down. I said, was anyone hurt? He said, no, no, no one was around. They just burned the building down. And I said, you're going back to preach? Yep. I said, what if they, you know, persecute you? What if they, he said, yep. This happens. But the gospel is what matters. The good news, this message of freedom, this microcurrent, this good, this good news, that's what matters. And I rejoice. And you know what? The gospel's not chained. The gospel can spread despite a burned down building. In some ways, it spreads better because of that. And so I ask you, where do you stand regarding the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? If it is precious to you, if you believe it, if it is important, if it is really good news, you might find joy even in the tough circumstances of life. If you're not sure about it, if it's a dispensable, if it, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's I don't, I don't know. Then you may be chained to your own chains. And so I urge you, especially the young people here, I urge you to figure out where you stand on this thing. Will you be able to stand uh, in persecution and to know the joy of the Lord? So anyway, that's one uh, application. Let me give you one more and then we're done for today. Second application is, uh, it concerns love. Love. We serve what we love. We act, we behave out of the affections. You know what I mean? If you love NASCAR, (laughs) then you'll, you know, behave that way. You'll you'll watch it on TV and you'll, you'll, you'll buy NASCAR, uh, you know, mugs and you'll, you'll, you'll dress it and you'll follow, you know, all the names because we serve, we, we behave according to our affections. The Apostle Paul loved the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved the message of good news. He loved the people that he was dealing with, these Roman guards, all these people. And so he, his life came into conformity with that, and he served and he behaved and he followed what he loved. I heard uh, a while ago about a man who won a motorboat. This was in Maryland. He entered a contest to to win a motorboat. And the contest was uh, the winner would be the person who could kiss the motorboat for the longest period of uninterrupted time. That was the contest. He won it by kissing the boat for 50 consecutive hours. 
I don't know how he did that. I guess they, he was allowed to take breaks or something. I guess he kind of slept there, uh, you know, next to it. And my point is, why did he do that? Well, something in his heart, right? Something in his, he loved, you know, whatever, the, the pleasure of a motorboat or the prestige or the, there was something that caused him to be willing to endure the suffering. And the apostle Paul said, if the gospel puts me in chains, it's okay. Because I love this good news of the gospel. And I love the people I'm talking to. And I love the Lord Jesus Christ. So I rejoice despite my chains. And there you have a couple of thoughts for you from the Apostle Paul, application for our culture, joy despite chains. May the Lord help you to figure out where you stand on the gospel, and uh, may he captivate your heart and my heart so that we love it and we spread it, and it's good news to people, and it's not burdensome, and we're not fearful, but we walk in victory and freedom with this good news, which is advancing, called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us to believe it, help us to live it out, help us to love you and this message of forgiveness of sins. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.